Hello and welcome to the UFO Thinker podcast. My name's Frank and let's get cracking. So today's episode is going to be all about CE5 and my kind of updates uh, with experimenting with CE5 and where I'm up to in terms of just looking at that area of the phenomenon in general. So for those who listen to the podcast regularly, um, you may remember me talking about this a little while back. I did a few episodes about CE5 and and human-initiated contact and things like that. And um, I'd said that I was going to basically give it a go. Uh, And then it's been quite some time since that. And a few people have asked me about um, where I'm up to with it. Um, So it's high time that I actually get into it in an episode properly. So... Let's get straight into it. So, first of all, what is CE5? There might be people listening who aren't really sure. So, let's just go through that first of all. So, essentially, CE5 stands for Close Encounter of the Fifth Kind. So, essentially, what that is, it's kind of a new classification uh, that has been added uh, to the the typical Close Encounters of the First Kind and Third Kind and so on. And um, the Fifth Kind is human initiated contact so where humans essentially reach out through meditation or reaching a certain um, state of mind and reach out to other other intelligences out there in the universe or you know perhaps here uh, on this planet that we, that we can't see for some reason and anyway long story short you reach out using those kind of uh, ways of doing it and essentially make contact with an extraterrestrial intelligence now when i first heard about this i wasn't so sure let's just put it very politely <laughs> so I, I kind of, as, as a lot of people who listen to the podcast will, will know, um, I, I've made no secret of the fact that I've, I'm relatively new to the party when it comes to, to UFOs in general and pretty much was um, really compelled to, to dive into this topic very deeply around the time of the New York Times article and TTSA coming out in 2017 and and I've been kind of getting deeper and deeper into it since then. Uh, I was always interested in it even when I was younger um, but never really considered myself to be like you know a UFO guy or something like that Um, but obviously that's kind of changed somewhat in the last couple of years. Um, So when I first kind of got back in or got you know more deeply into the topic, I was pretty much purely coming from that nuts and bolts point of view, which I think is kind of a standard thing. It's very common for most people. When you start looking into the topic, you assume that it's a flying saucer made of metal that's flown from another part of the universe with little little you know alien dudes on board or whatever. Um, but you know, the more you look into it, the more you realise that there's a lot of other aspects to this whole thing and it's it's not as simple as, as that, even though that may be the case that there are little aliens coming in a metal spacecraft, there's probably a lot of other things that could potentially be happening as well. And the more you dive into the topic, the more you realise about these elements of consciousness and how consciousness itself actually links to the phenomenon that we're witnessing. Um and yeah, the the thing of of, of considering uh, aliens coming in a metal spacecraft and and flying over to the Earth and so on is referred to for anybody who's not familiar with the term, it's referred to as nuts and bolts. So literally, a craft, a physical craft made of you know metal nuts and bolts that arrives with beings on board, or maybe not beings on board, but you know the craft itself is a a physical craft. Um, but that's kind of um, only really one way to look at it. And as I say, you know, it's when you're coming at it from an outside point of view and somebody starts saying, yeah, I basically look up at the sky and focus my mind and I can make contact with aliens. Essentially, you know, that, that's basically what's going on here. If you put it in completely plain terms, you know, which is what I do at the end of the day. I'm not, you know, one of these guys to dress up a, a sentence with fancy words and all the rest of it. I talk in plain speak, you know what I mean? So, it, because I, th- I think that you can kind of get cut through a lot of uh, BS really when you talk like that, you know? 
and um I don't want to start dressing things up and using all these fancy terminologies and things like that because I don't really see any any logical need to do that. I'm not trying to make myself out to look more intelligent than I am. Just trying to get to the bottom of this thing. So yeah, essentially that's what we're talking about, isn't it? You know, you look up at the sky and you focus your mind and you make contact with aliens. It's a pretty wild thing to actually have to get your head round. And as I say, when I first got into the topic, I really started to dig deeply into the topic. I heard people mentioning this thing, and I'll be honest with you, it totally put me off the topic even. You know, the whole thing, I was like, what am I doing here? Have I gone down some mad rabbit hole here or what? Like, what is happening? You know, I've literally stumbled across people who think they can communicate with aliens with the mind, you know? Now, obviously, my my in, that was my initial reaction, you know? And don't get me wrong, I wasn't ridiculing anybody who does this, but I just I wasn't connecting with my way of thinking. You know, it just didn't make any sense to me at all. I was put off by it and just completely dismissed it initially. But as I said, the more you look into the phenomenon, the more you read people like Jacques Vallée, the more you actually dig into, you know, the people who are looking into the consciousness side of it, you realise that there could be more to it than you know what it initially appears and another thing was Stephen Greer because obviously Stephen Greer um, is is well known as a person who's been pushing this CE5 thing so CE5 is basically the branding that Stephen Greer has actually created around this concept of being able to communicate with intelligences um, you know and non-human intelligences the CE5 thing and the whole protocol around that is basically what uh, Dr. Greer has actually put together and again for anybody who's not familiar with Greer I would imagine probably most people who are listening to this podcast are uh, but essentially uh, Stephen Greer is a guy who's done a lot for the UFO community over the years um, to kind of push the, the, the topic into the mainstream he's made a number of films and things like that but I think it's fair to say in recent years has kind of fallen out of favour and um, there's been a lot of things, controversies about him basically charging people thousands of dollars to go and witness events where he's going to make uh, contact with extraterrestrials in the desert and he charges people a fortune of money and there's been some very dubious cases where he's been accused of um, dropping planes, uh, dropping flares out of a plane um, during these events to essentially make the event more compelling. Um, and we'll probably come back to that in a little bit. But as I say, you hear about things like that. And you, again, you know, straight away, it was just like the BS meters just off the scale. You know, I was like, what is this all about? But as I say, when you start to dig into it, you realise actually there's a lot more to it than what Stephen Greer is actually trying to put across. And there's a lot of people in the the contact, you know, community. The contact work is another you know way that I've heard people explaining it. There's a lot of people doing this work, looking into this side of things that are actually trying to distance themselves um, from dr greer because of the the slightly negative connotations and even ce5 has become a bit of a stigmatized term and a lot of people now referring to it things like hic human initiated contact and um you know human initiated contact events heist um and and a lot of that is just to basically divert the the kind of the the branding away from the association with stephen greer so when I've looked into this even further, there's quite a number of very interesting people who are currently doing this work and looking into this side of things, very credible individuals who I respect quite highly in terms of the research in other areas of the UFO phenomenon. And having seen how seriously they take it, you know, in including Lou Elizondo, you know, I've mentioned about Lou Elizondo a lot, um, you know, I put a lot of faith into what he says, and and I've mentioned that previously. And Lou Elizondo, whenever whenever he's asked questions about CE five and human initiated contact and all these kind of things, he, he he takes it seriously. You know, he doesn't brush it off. He doesn't say, "Oh, that's nonsense. Don't bother with that side of things." Which he has definitely hinted about other things, but with CE five, no, no, he, he takes it seriously, and he's willing to put some some stock into that. You know, and. That was another reason that started made me start turning the corner and thinking, well, you know, maybe mad as it sounds, maybe there is something to this whole thing. 
And when you trace it back, you know, you can look at things like um, the uh, the Mission Rama. So basically in the 1970s, in, in, in I believe it was Peru, um, there's like a, a, a community of people who, who essentially... Uh, had these breakthroughs of being able to uh, contact extraterrestrials um, and I believe it was on uh, Ganymede apparently the the extraterrestrials you know uh, originated from Ganymede and um, they they managed to communicate with them and and essentially um, even make some predictions of when they were going to be able to sight uh, have a UFO sighting and in some cases even um, even got the media involved with this and actually had the media turn up and then lo and behold the thing actually appears the, the UFO as predicted on the exact date and again that's that that was something that was that was quite interesting to me so this is decades and decades before Stephen Greer kind of came out with his CE5 branding there's actually highly organized groups of people collectives of people in you know in South America who are putting all of these these kind of theories into practice and actually doing work that apparently turns out to be quite accurate and are able to predict um, contact events and receive information and and uh, I found that very interesting so like another reason that I thought you know we need to dig into this and then on top of all of that you've got people like um, one example of it is actually um, Dan from uh, that UFO podcast the uh, co-host Dan the Zignal um on on twitter uh somebody who's who's um you know very very scientifically minded and, and quite realistic when it comes to um dealing with the ufo phenomenon and somebody who who claims to have after years of trying to have actually witnessed something like a ce5 event essentially having been you know gazing up at the sky in kind of inviting some kind of contact event uh, eventually actually had a contact event which was followed up by several others uh, kind of lights in the sky that behave in a way that it couldn't be anything explainable and again somebody that I put a lot of respect into what he says been a, a long time listener of uh, that UFO podcast and you know I've never had any red flags from from Dan in terms of he believes stuff that's nonsense or anything like that, and that this is a person who who claims to to you know have, have actually witnessed this stuff firsthand, and then on top of that, it's one thing you know hearing from somebody that they've witnessed things, but then I've actually seen footage. So there was um, there's a guy called Scott Brown who I've mentioned before on the podcast who's quite a um, a well known photo and video analyst. He's got an, some expertise in video and 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 uh, you know photographs and analysing them and things like that. And ha- has actually been kind of semi sceptical uh, in the past, you know, which is to be honest is a reason that I would put faith into what he says because if, if he's seen something and he says now nah, that's absolute nonsense that one's absolutely nonsense there's been times I've got all excited about a video and then showed it to Scott and he's, he's gone nah that, that's definitely not that's CGI or it's whatever but Scott himself has actually been able to video some of these objects moving around in the sky in ways that don't really make any sense so there's uh, if you go to Scott's YouTube channel, it's Scott Brown. Um, Brown, I'm pretty sure, is with an E. Let me just—I'll ch- just check that while I'm on now because I'll only get people messaging me about it if I forget. So one second, Scott Brown with an E. So on uh, Twitter, he's on at S Brown. So that's B R O W N E I T F. So S Brown ITF on Twitter, and uh, ITF is in the field, which uh, they put out graphics about you know analyzing certain pictures and things like that. And as I say, you know this is not a guy who just says everything's a UFO, which is why I kind of put some faith into what he says. You know, he 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 um, kind of um, objectively analyzes these things to try and get to the bottom of what's real and, and what's not. And on his YouTube channel, there, there is a selection of actual videos that he's taken of objects that are, are essentially lights in the sky, okay, uh, which is, I guess, the common thing that most people report from CE5 experiences is, is orbs. So, like, orb-like lights in the sky, like a ball of light, essentially, um, that appear in the sky. Now, you might think that that could be a meteor or a shooting star or something like that, but in some cases, 
and I think a lot of people who report C5 events may just be seeing meteors, you know, but the ones that I've seen on the footage of seem to change course. In some cases, I believe meteors can actually change course as well, but I've actually seen some um, on Scott Brown's channel, which seem to go along and then stop and then turn and then go back on themselves. There's no way that a meteor would be able to do that. As far as I'm aware, there's no satellites that can do that. So what is that? And I've also seen similar things on um, engaging the phenomenon YouTube channel as well. If you go back on there and, and have a look back, there's a couple of videos of the best C5 footage um, and uh, the summoners as well, which was featured on a mystery wire article a while ago. They've they've got some really bizarre videos, which one of them seems to be some kind of um, some kind of weird like blob object in the sky which kind of seems to be spitting out smaller objects and some of the things that it spits out are triangle shaped and i think that was only visible on FLIR. i can't remember if that's correct but i think a lot of these objects um that the summoners have taken are, are just FLIR video so they're not visible from the naked eye but when you look at it through the infrared camera you can see um the actual objects and that is very baffling and that one in particular i mean again some of these could be faked I suppose but knowing you know the integrity of people like scott brown and, and james iandoli from engaging the phenomenon i can't imagine that they're going to fake videos it just wouldn't really make any sense to throw all the credibility out the window by putting a fake video up so um essentially from all the things that i've just mentioned i was led down the path of thinking you know what maybe there really is something to this as, as crazy as it sounds because look if you believe it's quite possible that aliens are coming to this planet why wouldn't they be slightly curious to interact with us especially if they can sense that we are actually actively trying to make contact with them surely some of them who are in the area might go yeah do you know what we'll flash a few lights at you you know weirdly weirdly one thing that i keep thinking back to with this is i remember um dave fravor so one of the pilots who saw the Tic Tac, I remember him saying that occasionally he, when he was flying his jets, he used to pull pranks on, um, on campers. So he'd be in his jet and he'd kind of he'd, he'd he'd drift over the top of a campsite where there was people, you know, sat around a campfire, and then he'd turn on his all the lights on the jet and then blast the afterburners and shoot off, giving them the impression, you know, that they may have seen a UFO. And that, that was something that kind of stuck in my head for some reason. I was thinking, you know, if this is a... a obviously, Dave Fravor is a human being, but he's in charge of this unbelievable craft, you know. And something in his sense of humour made him want to essentially, like, give a, a show to the people who were down on a campsite, you know. And if, if Dave Fravor is a human being in charge of an unbelievable craft is you know that occurred to him to to do that you know maybe some non-human intelligences are, are, are just doing something similar to that you know they just so happen to be in the area and perhaps due to the level of their advancement of consciousness or the advancement of their technology they can pick up intentions that you're projecting you know in up into the sky or whatever and perhaps you know they're doing a day forever you know they're like wow let's give these guys a bit of a show and fling a few lights on and you know who knows who knows but anyway what that leads me to is i thought the best way to kind of get to the bottom of this thing is to give it a go you know it seems pretty interesting why not have a go of it so that's what i did so before i get much further into what i actually did i just want a quick spoiler um I didn't see anything absolutely incredible so um if you're listening along to this and you're thinking that i'm gonna drop the the big reveal that i saw a huge triangle over my house or something i'm sorry that's not gonna happen um but i did have some interesting experiences and the, you know as i'll go into uh, in, in a moment i'm going to be carrying on with this thing and doing it in a slightly more organized way going forward as well so what did i do so i had this idea of 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 basically trying out ce5 seeing if i can have a go of it and the plan was uh, i have a young daughter who's about two nearly three and when i put her to bed of an evening the plan is to to once she's in bed and everything go outside stand in my back garden try and do a bit of meditation 
and um, look up at the sky, focus my intentions on a certain part of the sky and see if anything appears. And it was very interesting in ways that I didn't expect. So I was expecting, first of all, that absolutely nothing had happened and that, you know, it'd be a, you know, a complete waste of time. Now, maybe my expectations have got something to do with the fact that I didn't see a big triangle, peer, you know, appear out of the blue. Who knows? Because it's, it's a complicated picture. I desperately wanted to see something, you know, and I've desperately wanted to see um, a triangle in particular. I don't know why I've got this thing. I really want to see a triangle because I think it'd be amazing. So something about the triangle that that really freaks me out. Like I'm not really too bothered about the tic tac. Like don't get me wrong. If I saw one, I'd be absolutely blown away. But I have this sort of urge to really want to see a triangle. I don't know why. I don't know what triangles have. What's what's appealing about a triangle? But yeah, just something about I'm drawn to that that shape. You know, something so menacing but majestic about like a huge black triangle flying through the sky. But anyway. I have never witnessed a UFO, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, but I have actually had what I would possibly class as, you know, experiences when I was a child, and I've not really gone into those, and I don't really know how to put it across, and I don't feel like it's the right time, and maybe there will never be a time, but I have had certain experiences um, which I would class as, you know, very odd experiences uh, when I was a child and um, you know I had certain physical feelings when I had those experiences as a child which I it's hard to explain what those feelings are uh, the the physical sensations are Um, it's it's not like anything that I've ever felt but when I had these experiences as a child um, this particular feeling kind of cropped up and when I was doing my first meditation um, for my CE5 experiment because the, the concept is go outside meditate for you know 10 minutes and then look up at the sky for about 10 15 minutes um and the first time I actually did some meditation, I was using a, actually a, a tape from um, a tape. You know, showing my age there. <laughs> I don't think there's any such thing as a tape anymore. Um, but um, I was watching a video. Uh, it was actually a Sean Cahill guided meditation video. So minty hyperspace, Sean, everybody knows uh, Sean Cahill, I presume. Um, but uh, it was uh, on his YouTube channel, Minty Hyperspace, Um he has a guided meditation video and he has like wave sounds in the background and he kind of explains how to do your breathing exercises and i have done meditation before and i struggle to keep it consistent to be honest as i would imagine probably a lot of people do um but i've dabbled with uh, meditation through doing um muay thai which is basically thai kickboxing um when i first started doing that many years ago um it's basically extremely intense cardio workouts uh, and it's so intense especially when you're doing training you're throwing punches and kicks and things like that and when you're sparring you've got somebody throwing punches and kicks at you you know trying to knock you out basically um it kind of triggers like the fight or flight response um and afterwards i'd really struggle to get my heart rate down and to calm down after doing the training and the workouts and things um and you know and and one of the ways that uh, i was able to to you know calm down after doing those training sessions and things is um to to do some meditation it was um recommended to me by the the uh, the, the coaches who i was training with i was working with some ex world champion Thai boxers um, at the time and uh, they were explaining to me about the the yin and yang essentially concept of if you're pushing your body to to do something extremely intense you've got to kind of calm down um, from that you've got to balance it out with with the calmness and the breathing exercises to get yourself back into a normal state of mind again so I'd already done bits of meditation for that um, but I just struggled to you know find a way to incorporate that into my day-to-day life really and part of that is having young children you know you can't really just sit and be completely quiet and focus on your breathing when you've got somebody you know a little one throwing stuff at your head or whatever you know (laughs) anybody who's a parent out there will know what i mean but as i say um the when i actually did uh sit down to to do this sean cahill guided meditation 
weirdly, I, I sort of I closed my eyes, I um, did my breathing stuff, and and I pictured myself on a on a on a beach. Basically, it's like a, a coastal scene, and I think part of that was just because there's waves in the background of the the audio track of the uh, the YouTube video. So just naturally hearing waves, you know, close your eyes, you're probably going to imagine yourself at a seaside type location. But I could quite clearly picture this beach and a, a lighthouse and a little sort of coastal village somewhere in the distance and I was walking along this beach uh, and I started to kind of get some of those weird feelings that I had during those childhood experiences so I thought that was worth mentioning um, some of those physical sensations uh, came on just it was just during that first meditation um, and uh, so anyway I finished the meditation uh, went outside and looked up at the sky and didn't see anything um, but it was it was interesting that I noticed that that those those similar feelings that I've never really had any other time but they kind of came back during that meditation and then the next time I did the meditation it was similar I kind of struggled to to get my breathing rate right and to 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 concentrate and to clear my mind really for the, on the second one and the meditation thing I have mixed results with to be honest and it's something that you have to work on you know you can't just meditate like bam okay now I'm in a trance or something it's, if you've not done it before it's it's difficult to you know, I've always described my mind's like a tumble dryer like a lot of people's I suppose really especially in this day and age you know I've just got thoughts and ideas just whizzing around in my head constantly and um meditating is like slowing down the tumble dryer you know just turning it onto a slightly lower setting um uh, but some days it's going so fast there's no way i'm slowing it down you know other days it's not that bad i can get into the zone a bit easier so yeah as as i was going through the the kind of experiment it's quite difficult for i found it difficult anyway to to get myself in the right headspace you know some days you've got stress going on you've got this that and the other happening and it was very difficult to clear my mind really uh, but other days you know it went quite well but um one of the i think it was like the third or fourth time i was doing this i got this really clear premonition of a date and i mentioned this on my podcast when i was talking to andy mcgrillan from that ufo podcast when i had him on as a guest uh, and i got this really clear image of a date in my head and a time which was 8 p.m on a particular day um, and i was like wow you know maybe something incredible is going to happen when i look out the sky on that day and i was all psyched up for it and i think it was like three weeks um, in the future so i you know i had to kind of keep going for another three weeks and eventually got to this date and unfortunately i live in the north of england it was really really cloudy it was you know there was nothing you could see of the sky whatsoever and nothing really was there so whether or not that was a random date that just popped into my head you know maybe somebody else had mentioned that date to me who knows but unfortunately it didn't work out um i suppose there's a possibility that something maybe did happen but i couldn't see it because of the clouds but uh, i think it was probably unfortunately could have just been a random thing that popped into my head so that kind of was towards the the end of the the kind of like a month that i'd set out as being um you know the uh, the time period and during that time i did see some pretty weird things um there was a particular patch of the sky that i was looking into and i saw something going across one day which was you know i was a bit freaked out and you know kind of like what's that and i'd actually downloaded uh, an app as well which is um flight radar 24 so a lot of people probably already aware of that but it's a great if you're trying to do anything like um what i'm talking about here or just looking up at the sky in general trying to figure out what's going on up there this app or something similar to it is absolutely essential because there was a number of times that something would fly across the sky in the area that I was looking at uh, and when I used my flight radar app it turns out it was a plane uh, but the amazing thing about this app is it tells you where every single plane in the UK or in the whole world basically is at any one time and there's even a really cool feature 
it's got a little AR button at the top. I'm not sure what it stands for, to be honest, but you click AR and you point your phone up at the object, whatever it is that's flying through the sky, and it literally just shows up on the, on the screen of your phone what that object is, where what type of aircraft it is, what height it's flying, and you know what altitude it's flying at, and where it came from and where it's going. It's absolutely incredible, the technology you can get on your phone. So, as I say, there were a few uh, objects that I, I saw that turned out to be planes. Uh, you know, which again, if you're doing anything like looking up at the sky, whether it's C5 or otherwise, um, I definitely recommend you getting that app if you've not already got it. I imagine most people probably already will. And another thing that was really interesting was I've got an app called Sky Guide. And again, it's a similar thing, but instead of planes, this one actually picks up stars. Uh, and again, this this was something that I'd never done. Um, I feel a bit daft saying it, really, but I never realised where Jupiter was, you know. And it's it's um, since doing this, it's really made me get this app and and figure out what constellations are where. And you know, I never actually realised, daft as it sounds, that you could actually look out of your bedroom window and see Jupiter, you know. I, that, that blew me away. You can look out and see this enormous, you know, ball of gas just floating there in, in space. You can see that out of your bedroom window. You know, that, that really blew me away. Uh, and there's obviously various other planets you can see, various constellations, and this particular app, Sky Guide. Again, these are free apps, by the way. So you can just get it for your phone, and you point it up at the sky, and it, it basically knows your location, and it tracks every single star in the sky and tells you what it is. And that was really fascinating. Because you, once you look at things a bit closer, you realise that some stars actually glimmer some stars actually have a, a slight kind of colour to them. They're not all the same colour. And, and sometimes if you zoom in on one of these stars, it can look very unusual. But really all it is is a star, you know, but with the settings on your phone and with the, um, you know, with the, the zoom settings and things like that, you can, you can actually get footage of something very ordinary. I say ordinary, but it's, even though a star is ordinary, it's still a fascinating thing, isn't it? You know, you can see, a, you know, a massive ball of gas out there in the sky, you know. But my point is, is that if you're, if you don't know what you're looking at, ordinary things can very much seem extraordinary. And in particular, satellites. So I've, I saw something which I thought was some kind of shape-shifting object flying across the sky, and... I was kind of blown away at the time that, you know, the hairs all went up on the back of my neck. I was like, what the hell is that? And, you know, this thing seemed to literally be changing shape. And if I took a, if I've got a video of it, actually, I got a video of all of these things, all of the mis misidentifications that I witnessed. And I've actually saved most of them to use as examples. And at some point, I'm going to try and write an article about common um, misidentifications just to kind of have a guideline for myself, really, which is why I kept the footage and the pictures um, but it, it just goes to show how unbelievable and you know extraordinary certain things can appear once you zoom in on them in the sky and blow them up and you know take certain exposure settings on your phone which you may not even realize are, are switched on you can you can take a video of a satellite and make it look like some kind of bizarre shape-shifting object and there's so many satellites in the sky um, that I think um, you know, there's definitely the case that some of these objects that are being witnessed and people are putting videos online are just out-of-focus stars and out-of-focus satellites and things like that. So I definitely learned a lot doing this thing about all the variety of different weird objects that there are out there in the sky. And the other thing that, uh, that was um, quite interesting was that I noticed at one stage that the exact area of the sky I was looking at, uh, looking at you know, it was every night it was the same area of the sky that I'd look at because it was kind of like a certain angle above my neighbor's house or whatever. So you could see that's the bit to focus on. And at one point I saw something that looked like a triangle and I was like, wow, this is amazing. It's a triangle. Turns out it wasn't a triangle. It was just two stars that I could normally see. Uh, and there's actually a third star which forms kind of a triangle shape. But the third star is normally not visible, but on this particular night, it must have been slightly less light pollution or a clearer sky for some reason. And the third star actually was visible, so it makes a kind of a triangle shape. But again, using my Sky Guide app, it turned out that that 
was just um, a, a star that was part of a constellation. Again, you know, um, got to the bottom of that one. Uh, and then I noticed that there was actually, a, 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 in the exact area of sky I was looking at, there was a shooting star. Um, and I was like, wow, you know, maybe maybe this is like, maybe finally I'm seeing something, you know. But, you know, I, I have to say, I think it was just a shooting star. Um, and shortly after that, a couple of minutes later, there was another one in the same area of the sky and then a third one. So I was blown away. Turns out when I went back inside and Googled it, it was the Persid meteor shower. Um, and the actual peak of the meteor shower was that particular day. And I'm going to come back to that later on as well. There's something else that it ties into. But so as I say, I that's it, essentially that's the extent of, of what I have, have been able to see during my CE5 you know, experiments. So unfortunately, nothing absolutely mind-blowing in terms of being a UFO, but actually some quite mind-blowing things that I managed to witness because let's be honest, you know, seeing a satellite the international space station or something like that going overhead that's a really amazing thing to see you know yeah i didn't see a ufo but i saw some amazing things anyway and that's kind of essentially what i took away from it you know but again i'll come back to that later so that's that's kind of my summary of my experiences now the thing that's notable there is that i didn't see anything that i could definitely say i think was a ufo you know i really tried to anything that i did see i didn't just assume anything i looked into it as best as i could and i think pretty much everything i saw i can have an explanation for however and this is probably the most significant point here I didn't find anything that would explain away some of the things that I have seen. So the videos I mentioned earlier of an object that stops, turns around and goes back on itself. You know, the objects that appear to be like a meteor that's shooting through the sky and then it changes direction and turns around and goes the opposite direction. Things like that. I, if I'd have seen something like that, I would have had no explanation for it because that can't be a satellite, can't be a plane can't be a shooting star i mean i've heard cases of shooting stars that can change course but not in that way i believe there's depending on the the makeup the physical makeup of a of a of a, a shooting star sometimes they can have a pocket of ice on one side and as it hits the earth's atmosphere that can evaporate which causes a change of course but whenever i've seen examples of that in actual footage online it's not been the same kind of change of course as some of the c5 examples that i've seen so I really, as much as I really dug in and found uh, all of these, you know, prosaic explanations for the things that I witnessed, I wasn't able to come up with anything that would directly explain some of the actual footage that I've seen online. So it's a bit of a mixed bag of, of results there from the experiment, isn't it? But anyway, let's move on. So the next little bit that I'm going to talk about is going to be some individuals who actually do work within the the kind of contact work you know area uh, within the ufo phenomenon so i thought it was worth just going through a few of the figures and my thoughts about the work that they're doing so first of all i'm going to start with james iandoli from engaging the phenomenon so i think james has got a fantastic podcast uh with engaging the phenomenon and honestly there are some fascinating guests on there it has i think i'd say mostly to do with the consciousness side of things but he also talks about a lot of other things like crash retrievals and government secrecy and just a lot of other areas about the ufo phenomenon in general and um i'm a, I'm a big fan of james you know and the podcast is a, is a listen you know some an essential listen from my point of view uh, and obviously i've had james on my show as a guest as well so if you've not heard that definitely worth going back and having a listen to and the thing I like about James and his approach is he's very open to engaging the public, you know, no no pun intended. Um, but, you know, he, he's very open to discussing this stuff and on, on Twitter. And even with people who are sceptical, he'll approach them in a way and try to explain, you know, his experiences and um, in particular his own absolutely fascinating encounter. But I think he's quite fluid as well in terms of what his actual encounter actually represents. I don't think he's definitively decided one way or other what it actually was and that's something that i really respect um because 
you know, it actually lends credibility to a lot of the things he says because he's not already made his mind up on this thing. You know, when you get people who kind of make these big proclamations about, oh, I've witnessed this and that that means that, you know, all of these beings want this for humanity and things like that. And I just don't know how you can be so sure about those things. And I don't get that impression at all from James. I think he's trying to figure it out just like anybody else is, which surely is what you would do, you know. So that's why that approach makes a lot of sense to me. And uh, as I say, James is also a very good source of information about the UFO topic in general. Um, and uh, he's clearly been looking into it for a long, long time. Very well read up on the topic and knows a lot of facts and figures about cases and things, which, like I say, is one of the reasons I wanted him on my podcast to get some insight into his experiences and his research into the, the consciousness side of things. Um but I don't want to go on about that too much because um, there's a lot a lot of uh, things along these lines that me and James actually discussed when he was on um, my podcast. So definitely recommend you going back and checking that out if you didn't hear it. So another person to touch on quickly um, who I actually kind of came across through um, James's podcast, as I remember it, is uh, Jay from Project Unity. So also does a lot of work in the in the consciousness area. I think it's safe to say that that's kind of his specialist area. Um, very, very well-spoken individual uh, and very well uh, read up on the, the UFO topic. Um, I don't necessarily agree with everything that Jay says because he touches on a lot of different areas um, but it's always an interesting viewpoint and as I say with him being such a specialist in terms of the uh, the UFO topic um, I definitely think that he's, he's a worthy mention uh, in, in this particular area um, another guy that's definitely worth checking out is Grant Cameron and uh, Grant Cameron's a character that is widely known in terms of the consciousness side of the phenomenon. And I think um, I've heard Grant Cameron say it a few times uh, something along the lines of consciousness is the key to understanding the phenomenon. And the thing about Grant Cameron is that, and and this is nothing, you know, not, not an insult or anything to, to, to Grant as an individual, but um, first of all, he talks very fast <laughs> so, so if, you, if you're one of those people who listens to podcasts um, on a faster speed don't try and do that with Grant Cameron because you know he already sounds like he's on double speed um, but no, the, the what I was going to say is that the difficulty is that he's got a lot of books about the topic and he's obviously very very far down this path um, of, of you know looking at the, the phenomenon he if you're relatively new to the topic, it can be difficult to actually decipher what he's talking about because he's so far down that path of you know consciousness and um, you know throws out a lot of terms and things and there's um there's a lot of things when I first came across Grant Cameron that I just couldn't get my head round and it's not really one for beginners kind of thing um, and there's still things that he talks about that I'm not really in a position to be able to fully understand and analyse what's going on with them but he's an interesting listen and somebody that I'm going to try and go into you know study his work a bit more because he's actually done a few books about um music as well and imagination and how that relates to the phenomenon which is something that i've been really interested in coming from a music background myself uh, and grant cameron as i say seems to be a very knowledgeable individual obviously very experienced in looking at the ufo phenomenon and and seems to be very strongly of the opinion that consciousness is key to understanding the whole thing and um, as do many other people as well like you know jacques Vallée and john mack some of these real heavyweight old school ufo individuals um uh, you know have been very much of that line of thinking which is another thing that's lent some credibility to it from you know from my point of view now another individual then is um stephen greer speaking of heavyweight old school ufologists so um Stephen Greer, as I mentioned earlier, is unquestionably somebody who's done a lot to advance the UFO topic over the years and, you know, has perhaps fallen out of favour a bit in more recent years. I actually did an analysis, uh, kind of a reaction 
um, you know, to the latest Stephen Greer movie, Cosmic Hoax, which again, if you're interested, you can go back and find the episode that I did on that. But safe to say, I wasn't a big fan of that, and and it seemed as though he was trying to create divisions and things rather than, um, you know, just put his own point across. He was trying to bring other people down, which I wasn't so keen on, and. Um, you know, again, again, if you want to hear what I thought about that whole thing, you can go check it out. But again, just to reiterate, this is absolutely no personal attack on Dr. Stephen Greer at all as an individual, because I think he's done a hell of a lot for ufology over the years. But the things that I've seen him present as genuine footage of CE5 events, some of it is clearly fake and I think it's widely accepted that he faked a couple of events using flares being dropped out of planes. And unfortunately, after you've seen something that is clearly fake and being done in order to essentially profit by charging people to witness this fake event, thousands and thousands of dollars, and then, you know, you're basically manufacturing strangeness by dropping flares out of a plane, you know, to give people the money's worth for this experience that you've charged them a lot of money for after that i really struggle to take anything that that individual says seriously and i think there's a lot of truth you know in some of the things that stephen greer says i think he knows a lot but i think there's also a possibility that he's kind of gone down a path of coming up with some stories to make what he considers the truth more interesting and more palatable to a wider audience and i think there's a real danger in doing that um I've been considering recently this, this as a possibility that what what Stephen Greer is is potentially doing here is kind of similar to what David Icke does, but um, well, I think anyway. And again, if you're not from the UK, you may or may not be familiar with David Icke, but essentially an individual who um, he has a lot of ideas about conspiracy theories that the Queen is a lizard and all these kind of things. And I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you, I think it's complete nonsense and. I think what he does is, um, you know, to take information which a certain percentage of it is absolutely true, but then he throws in another 20, 30, 40%, which is just wild out there nonsense theories which sound exciting, but there's nothing to actually back them up whatsoever. And really, it's just the mild bits of truth that are thrown in that make the other bits that are completely out there sound more like it could be a real thing. And I think in these cases, some of these individuals are intentionally throwing in this 20 to 30% of absolute wild nonsense information, which sounds really exciting and makes the story more interesting. I think they justify it um, to, to perhaps, you know, opening up the story to a wider audience by making the story more interesting. Now, you could look at this two ways. You could look at they're doing that because they feel that it's a you know it, it's a it's a, a no, noble cause you know and they're throwing in a few tidbits of exciting but false information to bring more people into the topic which is overall for the greater good you know but the other way to look at it is that they intentionally do it to mislead people because they want to sell more copies of the books or their appearances or the you know ce5 uh, retreats and you know that that's probably a slightly less you know nice way to think of it i suppose but it's it's a possibility and there's also the possibility of a third option which is that they're literally being fed this information by um, a you know a disinformation source or you know they've now taken on that actual information and they themselves are unaware of the fact that the what they're talking about with you know is, is complete nonsense but you know, I'm not really exactly sure which of those options is the reality of it, but I don't think any of them are particularly good outcomes. You know, and and to me, unfortunately, it's like I said, if somebody is putting out some information that's good mixed in with a lot of information that's complete nonsense, I can't really take the good part of it seriously, unfortunately. And another case of this is, um, and again, you know, listen, there's going to be people who don't agree with me about some of this, which is fine. You know, I I, I reserve the right to completely change my opinions as, as I go along. And I always say to people, get in touch with me if you if you know, if you want to add anything to this. And that includes if, if you disagree with what I'm saying, because I'm not here to like everybody hold hands and, and, and sing off the same hymn sheet. You know, I'm here to actually get to the truth of what's going on. So if you do know other information that maybe contradicts slightly what I'm saying, 
get in touch because I want to know. I want to know the truth. I'm always happy to be wrong if it gets me closer to the truth. And that goes for anything that I've just said and anything that I'm about to say. So what I was going to get to is um, the Bledsoe's. So obviously... Uh, a lot of people will be aware of Chris Bledsoe um, has supposedly had uh, various experiences over the years uh, where he basically had um, like a, a near-death experience, uh, out-of-body experience, and that led to various um, experiences of, of beings, including a, a light being, which he refers to as the lady, which has apparently given him these messages and things, um, to hum- you know, messages for humanity and all the rest of it, and apparently has given him some kind of healing abilities, um, and Chris Bledsoe also has a um, has a, has a family, and one of the sons that uh, in the family is Ryan Bledsoe, who's recently started up a podcast. And it's you know something I've got to be completely honest about because I always try and be as honest as possible. And again, you got to remember this is nothing against any of the individuals involved, um, but to me, there is not really anything convincing in, in what I've seen from from Ryan Bledsoe. Um, the, the the footage and the photographs that have been shown on on his Twitter account, I just don't think there's anything compelling in them. And don't get me wrong, this is just purely an analysis of the images and the footage that's been presented on the Ryan Bledsoe Twitter account, um, which obviously have to do with his father because it's his father where all these experiences originate from. And this is not a slight against the character of any of them, and I don't know any of them personally. I'm just talking about the footage that I've actually seen. And the footage that's been shown is actually strikingly similar to the footage that I gathered of the International Space Station going across over the top of my house in combination with a meteor shower. So there was one particular video that I'm referring to here, which is um, essentially it's a couple of minutes long and it shows um, you know, something which to me, it looks exactly like a satellite going across the sky, uh, occasionally glinting in the sun. And in addition to that, there are a number of meteor strikes. Now, the video that I, and that was posted on, on Ryan Bledsoe's um, uh, Twitter account, but it was, tw- it was posted with the, uh, the, cap- the caption, something along the lines of saying that this is craft that we're witnessing and there's a lot of extraterrestrial activity outside our house today. Um, and the video I saw was just strikingly similar to test footage that I've been doing or in my back garden during my CE5 experiments and there were a number of meteor strikes that I saw in the particular area of the sky which I mentioned earlier but I realized that when I went inside it was the and googled it and did some research it's the Persid meteor shower which happens at that exact moment in time and it peaks around the 12th to 13th of August in this year which is 2021 and if you go and look up at the sky at that point in time you are going to see some meteors and you know as a sort of a relative newcomer to observing the sky, I've fallen into a few traps, which I've quickly realised, um, you know, or it was a satellite, or it was a meteor, or a plane, or whatever. And if you have your camera set a certain way, they can certainly appear to be more extraordinary than they actually are. But the fact is, this particular video was exactly what i saw it was a satellite going across in conjunction with meteors which are at the exact same time you know as the peak of a meteor shower so surely the logical thing there is to assume that it's satellite you know mixed in with some meteor strikes i mean that's the conclusion that i came to um and being a relatively you know, untrained observer of the skies it seemed pretty logical to me that, that that's what it you know that that's what it was and when i see footage very similar to what i'd seen it's determined to be you know day-to-day objects still fascinating by the way but day-to-day objects nonetheless when that's been presented as some evidence of some kind of intelligent craft which have essentially you know been making contact with the individuals making the video i really struggle to see anything else that's been presented by that person as being legit because you know, in the video, I believe Chris Bledsoe is actually in the video as well, present during this video being taken, and he's actually saying thank you to the supposed extraterrestrial visitors or whatever. Whenever a meteor, you know, goes streaks through the sky, he's thanking the extraterrestrials. But 
I'm not being funny, it's just a meteor, you know? I've seen exactly the same thing in my garden. I don't try and pass it off as craft. And when when you add that to footage of like out of focus dust particles in this person's back garden, which are being presented as orbs and things of that nature, and, and I just I just struggle to take it seriously. And again, this isn't to say that Chris Bledsoe has never had any amazing experiences in the past. Maybe he has, and it certainly appears that people within you know secret departments in the government have looked into his case and and i'm not questioning any of that you know perhaps all of that is absolutely true and perhaps there really was some kind of you know experiences um that he has had with some kind of non-human entities but if you're just talking about these particular videos that are being put out it's just day-to-day -day objects i mean we're trying to have a serious you know, we're trying to do serious research, have a serious conversation here about UAPs and UFOs, and we can't be taking things like that seriously and, and holding that up as amazing footage of craft. It's just not, you know, and again, this is nothing to disparage the individuals whatsoever. Maybe that there's a lot of other footage that I'm not aware of, you know, that, or there's things going on which I've missed and I reserve the right to hold my hand up down the line and say I was wrong about it. But look, I'm just saying it how I see it. That footage is not extraordinary footage in the slightest. And I really think it's bad for the topic to muddy the waters in that way because we're talking about something which could be completely transformative for the entire human race we can't just be getting excited about out of focus dust and meteor showers and thanking the person meteor shower for for getting in contact with us it's just ridiculous and i can't understand how it doesn't occur to people that you would see meteors in the sky at the exact moment of a peak of the biggest meteor shower you know it's baffling to me and it's even more baffling when you see you know tens of you know, dozens of comments on these posts saying wow that's amazing the clearest footage of a ufo craft i've ever seen is literally a meteor and you know it is what it is but that's a massive red flag to me and i kind of struggle to take a lot of the other things that are said there seriously so as you can tell there, there's people who I've come across within the, the C5 aspect of, of the UFO topic who I consider to be extremely interesting and putting forward some very good evidence and things like that. And then there's the flip side of that. So it's like anything in life, you've got to take the rough with the smooth. But um, let's move on. So talk about a few conclusions and some links to the wider UFO phenomenon here then. So as I've uh, kind of theorized in the past, you know, consciousness will evolve just as our technology does. And it's most likely that consciousness will evolve and go hand in hand with our technological evolution as well. And most likely the two will be inextricably linked as we develop things like Neuralink. And I've talked about this a lot recently on the podcast. It's probably going to be an episode three on that as well. I've got all kinds of ideas um, that have been brewing for that one. So it, to me, it does make sense that consciousness is linked to the UFO phenomenon in some way, but it's just trying to sift through the BS basically to get to how that actually is working and, and you know, figure out what, how it's linked and what's going on. And I'm nowhere near the end of that path yet, but I feel like I'm kind of getting a bit closer to it. Now, if there is something out there, you know, which if you look at the sheer number of, of different galaxies in the universe, there has to be something out there, I think. I mean, the probability, it just it doesn't make sense that there would not be any other life. I mean, only yesterday I saw some kind of news article that showed that um, billions of years ago there were rivers on Mars, you know, and there was, a, there was a river delta where two rivers joined together and it was clear that that's what it was. And if there was free-flowing water on Mars and it was there for a long period of time... You know, I think it's probably only a matter of time before we find some evidence of biological life having existed on Mars. And if that's the case, I mean, that may not happen. I don't know. But it seems logical to me that it's going in that direction. And as soon as we find some kind of evidence of biological life out there on another planet, wherever that may be, it stands to reason that it must have happened, you know, an unlimited number of times out there in the rest of the universe and if there is something out there that's been able to get here and contact us or be you know come come to observe this planet or whatever is it that bizarre to think that they may have also contacted us 
or they may be contacting us, or they may be doing a Dave Fravor that I talked about earlier where they're just kind of pranking us a little bit, you know? They can sense that the the level of their technological advancement and consciousness advancement, they can sense the intention of us wanting to reach out to them. Maybe they're just flashing a few lights at us going, you know what, you're kind of going down the right path there, guys, keep going, you know? But is it really a, a love and light kind of race that's out there? You know, this is something that I hear people talking about a lot with CE5 that like it seems to be a lot of the CE5 community are totally um, against the threat narrative and want to really um, make the point that these beings are here to help us and there's not there's no threat from them whatsoever and things like that. And and look, you know, the way it occurs to me is I don't know how sure you can be about that, really. You know, you could be playing with fire. And are they playing with fire? That's a question that you have to ask. I don't know. I mean, the trouble is I haven't experienced this. So if I if I experience it, maybe I would feel completely different about it. And I'm completely open to that possibility. But to me, it seems more likely that there are probably many different entities. And when you're projecting your consciousness out there into the universe, you don't know who you're going to come into contact with. There are a large number of people who say they've had very bad experiences. If you look at the way Tom DeLonge talks about the phenomenon, you've got to be a bit wary about who you're contacting because he seems to think there's some really grim stuff going on. And again, how much of that's based on actual reality or how much of it's Tom DeLonge adding up one and one and getting three? You know, it's hard to say. Um, but, you know, I think we should be we should be aware that, you know, there's probably, there could be an infinite number of different intelligent races out there and which one you get in contact with on a particular day might be the look of the draw, you know. I've certainly heard of a lot of abduction experiences that don't go very pleasantly for people, you know. And it goes back to the old classic thing of, you know, maybe we're just like an ant's nest you know the the intelligences that are out there some of them could be a similar level of advancement to us some of them could be so advanced that they look at us as just kind of some kind of a you know a, like a an ant's nest like the way we look at an ant's nest we, we're mildly intrigued by it but we, we don't think we can learn anything from the ants you know because we're so much more advanced than they are in, in some ways but anyway ants is kind of a something i'm going to touch on um as i go along with the podcast because I've, I've actually been looking into ants and they are actually fascinating so maybe we could learn a lot from the ants but anyway what i'm saying is we we have no idea of the intentions and and people who again it's the old thing of people who claim that they know exactly how all this works i don't know how you can be so sure even if you have had experiences how can you be really sure and that is something that always completely puts me off it's a huge red flag for me when somebody says like i've had a, i've had experiences with these beings and i know exactly what their intentions are listen to me i've got all the answers nah don't buy it you know it's like how do you know you're not being deceived? How do you know, you know what you're what you're putting across is actually correct? And that's why, as I said earlier, there's a lot of other individuals who've had the same kind of experiences who just you know openly say, "Look, I don't know what it was. I interpret it this way, but you know my." The way I think of it, of trying to get to the bottom of it, changes from day to day. I have a lot more, you know, respect for that point of view because it seems so much more logical to me, but. How do we kind of summarise what my thoughts are about CE5 and, and human-initiated contact, etc. at the moment? Essentially, I'm kind of in the same position as when I started. I find it extremely intriguing. There's definitely some footage out there, particularly the ones that change direction and things like that, that I find very fascinating, and I can't explain them at all. And there's a number of people who I really put a lot of respect into who, who are fully behind this thing. And there's a wealth of footage which is growing all the time, which I find difficult to explain. And there's there's individuals who are, who are getting better and better footage of this now as well. And even some people who are relatively sceptical have, have managed to get some videos, you know, or analyse videos and, and admit that something crazy is, is going on there. Something very unusual is going on there, probably a better way to put it. 
But as always, you know, in the UFO topic, there's a lot of people who claim to know all the answers to everything. And, you know, you listen to my podcast and I'll tell you the answers. And, mate, that's just not it. I, I, I don't buy that kind of stuff at all. And generally speaking, they've got a book to sell or they've got a social media platform to promote. And we have to be very wary of people like that because, you know, we don't know how much of the opinion is being presented as fact. And... You know, I, I know, you know, that, that there are people out there that are going to be pulling the wool over people's eyes. There's going to be people out there who are genuinely interested in trying to get to the bottom of what's really going on. And, you know, I, I even think there's still the possibility of, you know, the concept of like ancient civilizations that were that were here on the earth, you know, millions and or even hundreds of millions of years ago that were only just maybe they had some kind of link with consciousness that we're only starting to scratch the surface of now you know who knows all that side of things really intrigues me that when you look at the inconsistencies in the history of egypt and the civilizations that are being discovered now the remains of 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 areas like gobleki tepe and things like that it turns out that actually there's a lot of a lot more ability and knowledge that that was held by ancient civilizations and maybe they understood certain elements of consciousness that we're now only beginning to understand you know so that's another area within consciousness that i find very fascinating and they need to look into a lot more but i'll tell you what one thing's for sure I've definitely benefited from the periods of meditation or trying to, you know, a little bit inconsistently at times, perhaps needed to be more consistent with it. But the the bits of meditation that I've tried to do within my day-to-day routine and also just looking up at the sky in general, it's given me a whole renewed enjoyment of stars and the amazing things about the universe that you can access by simply tilting your head back, you know, and looking up. And for for that reason, I'm going to keep going with it. You know, I'm actually planning on doing more of a structured CE5 experiment or, you know, human initiated contact um, experiment over the course of maybe a month, you know, trying to do it for a little bit longer, say, say 15 minutes of medica- uh, meditation and, you know, 15, 20 minutes of observing the sky. And I'll see how that goes. I'm intrigued to do it in a more structured way. As I say, I've heard many people who've said that they've tried this for months and months and months and not seen anything, and then all of a sudden, if you're persistent, you can have a breakthrough. So it's worth keeping going with. And even if that never happens, the benefits of being able to observe the sky and the, the fascinating um, you know, universe that we live in and actually con- being in contact with that is is worth doing it for so if anybody else out there is listening to the podcast and again if you listen to it all the way through to this point you're probably a hardcore listener of the podcast as i always say um so you know maybe what i would really like to attempt to do is to have a structured month perhaps where i actually consistently do it try and stick to it as best i can bit difficult in the uk because it rains so much that's something i've come up against as well so in a month you have half the nights might be completely cloudy and raining so it's a bit difficult to sit in the rain meditating or you know but i think i'm gonna try and do it anyway you know really stick to it maybe do my meditation inside and then go outside and stand underneath something i'm not going to get rained on but still look up at the sky you know be as consistent as possible and what i would really love is if anybody else wants to join in so if you're listening and you're up for giving it a go, drop me a message. I'm on Twitter at UFO Thinker and you can email me UFOThinker at hotmail.com. Um, and yeah, get in touch. Let me know if you'd be interested in taking part, you know, even if it's just five, ten people, um, you know, there may be more. I mean, quite, you know, blessed to have quite a large number of listeners on the podcast now. So if you're listening, um, you don't necessarily have to get in touch. I'm going to announce when I'm going to do this. So, you know, I think that would be really cool if 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 I'm doing my little CE5, you know, human initiated contact ex- experiment over the course of a month, I'll be consistent with it. I'm I'm planning when I do it this next time to do it consistently and have a diary so I write down the results every single day and I'll go through all this on the podcast as well. And if anybody else wants to do the same thing, that'd be really cool because it'd be interesting to see you know me doing it is one thing but if 10 people do it there's 10 times as much information we can get from that so yeah anybody else who's interested that'd be awesome if we can get some people to take part and i'll make a thing of it you know put it up on twitter and so on and you know and um 
yeah that, that that's a, a good place to end today's episode so um if you've uh, enjoyed listening to the podcast thank you very much and i hope to see you again in the next one so till then stay curious and i'll catch you in the next episode UFO Thinker Podcast.